Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war officially out for summer and I am here for it. I don't know about you guys out there, but I am obsessed with summer break for my kiddo. It is really my favorite time of year. I mean, actually summer break and then all the other breaks. I love winter break. I love spring break. If your kiddos get a fall break, I know that we get that here in Arizona and I, I absolutely love it. I love the breaks that he gets from school. With that being said, every summer break for me comes with this, I guess, evaluation, if you will, or maybe an assessment or a realization for sure that so much has changed in such a short amount of time. And what I mean by that is from when I was in middle school and on summer break to now where my son is at middle school summer break. I remember being, you know, in in middle school, maybe going into 8th grade like my son is now and Summers were everything. They were the epitome of freedom, I guess you could say. I grew up in a relatively, you know, well, a decent-sized town in Oregon, in Eugene, home of the Ducks, go Ducks. And I mean, it was it was regular. Like everything about my childhood was regular. We had a basketball hoop in, you know, the neighborhood. We didn't have HOAs. And my dad literally drilled into the concrete of the sidewalk and put in a basketball hoop so that all the neighborhoods could play. We had bicycles. We had, our parents would let us ride the city bus. We would go to the mall. It was about as what I would consider all-American outside of maybe living in the Midwest or in sort of a a smaller town, maybe where everybody kind of knows everybody. That wasn't where I grew up, but you knew everyone's parents. You knew where everybody lived, even without cell phones, right? We knew how to get a hold of everybody. It was ultimate freedom. You would wake up in the morning You'd pick up the house phone. You would call as many friends as it would take until you found somebody that could do something. And you would grab your bike and you'd either head to their house or they would ride to your house. Parents would be at work. 
really no worries about, you know, what the kids were doing. Are they safe at home? Are they not? We were all equipped. We could all make ourselves food, whether that be a bowl of cereal or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I mean, we were, we were capable. I remember feeling at 12 and 13 and 14 years old, like, yeah, I've got this pretty well figured out. I felt really, you know, not adult, but like, like I didn't, I guess, quote unquote, maybe need my parents for things, you know, if they were away at work. And, you know, our days would go on. We would ride to either, you know, we had Dairy Marts, which is like the equivalent of a 7-Eleven and, you know, grab some candy or a, a soda and just be outside, be on the streets all day, drinking hose water. You know, maybe if you, if we were lucky, we knew somebody that had a swimming pool. I had a neighbor with a swimming pool and it was always you know, it was impolite to invite yourself over, but let's be honest, we were constantly inviting ourselves over and we just lived so footloose and fancy free. And it was incredible. Looking back now, sure. Was childhood perfect? And are there things that I would love to go back and change or rearrange or have not have happened? Of course. But in the big scheme of things, my childhood was amazing and my summers were everything. We're just, I cherish them. I cherish the memories that I have from those adolescent years in those incredible summer months in Oregon. And I look at my son now And while his existence is a little bit different, so, you know, his dad and I are not together. So he does a week at his dad's and a week at my house. So a little bit different. We luckily live about um, four blocks apart. So nothing too crazy. So he has that. He goes, goes between houses. But I just think about almost like the city infrastructure. Our city is bigger. Sure. Is it safe for him to ride a bike? Like, yeah, he can. And I, I trust him too, but it's not as maybe popular or I don't know. You don't see it as much. I don't think around here, certainly not pedal bikes. Anyways, these kids all have these like motorized scooters or these mini bikes, uh, cruising around, which is cool too. I'd much rather have them out on any type of bike than of course, inside or playing video games or doing anything like that. But I also have this feeling that maybe parents aren't even as tight as they were when I was growing up. You know, sure, I know a lot of my son's friends, parents, but not in the same way that I feel like my parents knew my friend's parents. I rarely feel like I have touch bases, maybe. Like if we know that the boys are getting together, you know, there's that like coordination or yes, I can pick up if you want to, you know, drop off or vice versa. But it's almost like when I was growing up, our parents were friends also. Like you'd maybe have the other mom over for a coffee or maybe all the families or the two families would get together for dinners, things like that, which I don't think 
Uh, well, I know because I'm not really experiencing it, but that doesn't really happen anymore. And I'm not sure why. I don't know if we have this overarching sense that we're just too busy or that maybe we have other friends that maybe take those priority slots versus the the parents of our children's friends, which I totally get. Listen, if you're going to have a date night and it's a Friday night and you've got a babysitter, you know, what friend in your friend group would you choose? I mean, I'm sure it's probably people that you've known for a lot longer or you're closer with, or you know, it's going to be a guaranteed good time, right? Are you going to roll the dice on maybe somebody that you haven't hung out with that many times and potentially ruin your Friday night out for the week? I don't know. That's a little rough, but I just feel like that is so different nowadays than when I was growing up. Obviously too, just the world is in a different place. We are talking about safety. We have the internet. These kids have cell phones, online predators, like all of these things that were just non-existent when I was little. Although I will tell you, and this is like tattooed in my brain. And this is, this is something that was almost not even, I guess, well, it was a big deal, but it didn't feel as big of a deal as maybe now when we talk about online predators or, you know, human trafficking or kidnapping or things of that nature. But in my neighborhood that I grew up in, there was like a creeper. There was this dude that would drive down our street specifically during the summertime, obviously, because he knew that all the kids were out. And I did, I lived in a neighborhood where there were, the staple was, there were three families each with multiple kids. And then there was one house on the block that some families kind of moved in and out a couple of times, but that house always had kids as well. So there were always at minimum, you know, six, seven, eight kids in this neighborhood that all played together. And there was this like creeper car that would drive down the street. And the first couple of times that happened, we were like, this is really weird. And it was a guy and he would have the windows down. And when he saw the kids, he would drive by real slow And we were astute. We paid attention and we were like, oh, this is so weird. So we eventually like told our parents about it. And then our parents instructed us to memorize the license plate number, which we did. And so the next time he, he drove by, I remember telling my mom and dad, like, hey, that guy drove by again. Here's the license plate number. And our parents did call the police department and say, hey, there's a suspicious vehicle like in our neighborhood, da, da, da. And then from that point forward, every time that car would kind of like slow down and drive by, like the kids would scatter like cockroaches. I mean, we would just make the biggest scene. We would scream, we would run, kind of like hit into other people's front yards and things until he would drive by and then we would reconvene. It almost became sort of like this game. But even back then, it didn't feel as heavy as it does now. And these are conversations that, I feel are so necessary to have with my son that my parents weren't necessarily having with me. Of course, we had this stranger danger conversation and, you know, don't, don't go into somebody's car if they say they have puppies or candy, you know, those kind of luring things that we are all familiar with and really have become almost sort of stereotypical in nature. But I have these conversations with my son 
And it just feels so much different. It feels worlds apart. It certainly feels more than just one generation apart. And I think, I think it was Ronald Reagan. Was it Ronald Reagan? Someone correct me here if I am off, but I believe it was Ronald Reagan who talked about this idea of it only takes one generation. And that's kind of what this show is about. I was thinking about that today and talking with another mom at basketball this afternoon and just looking at the one generation. I feel fortunate to have born when I was born, born in 81, to have had the childhood that I had to experience what I experienced growing up and to now be an adult in this time, this wild season of life that we are in right now. I feel so fortunate to be alive for this. My eyes are wide. I am seeing everything. I am walking with faith. It is an incredible time to be alive. But I don't know if my generation is that sort of generation. You know, I think we have our armor on as parents. A lot of us do. But I get sort of this feeling that it's the next generation. It's this next generation, my son's age, that is really going to, they're going to need to step up. And they are going to have to, unfortunately, I think, correct a lot of wrongs that have happened over the last few decades. And if we're doing a good job as parents, I think that we have that opportunity to instill in our children the things that need to be done in order to sort of correct course. You know, I talk to my son all the time in just talking about summer, for example, and I tell him these stories. And I have another girlfriend that I actually grew up with. She lives in California. And I mean, we've literally been friends since like first grade. It's amazing. We see each other a couple of times a year. We have boys that are the same age. And it is so fun because we feel like we are raising like 90s babies. We're trying to keep our boys just maybe like out of everything that's kind of cool right at this moment, trying to raise these old souls and have them keep maybe a little bit of that childhood nostalgia alive. And I think I'm doing an okay job at it. I mean, obviously I'm, you know, my son is by no means perfect. I am absolutely not a perfect mother. Um, we certainly have our battles and have things that we can work on both from a parental standpoint and from a child behavior standpoint. But there are the things that I put more weight on than others, certainly. And him sort of keeping this childlike innocence but not necessarily being naive, but also not living in fear or thinking that, you know, everyone is bad or that I'm going to get hit by a car if I'm out on my bike, you know, like all of these things that seem to be 
I don't know, maybe, maybe more taken more seriously than, than when I was growing up. And I was also talking in that conversation today with uh, the, the mom in basketball. I, I also every summer come to this place where I am never excited for him to go back to school. I'm not one of those moms. And probably for a couple of reasons. I, and when I say one of those moms, I mean, I think that that's the, the viewpoint that I have from, of course, social media, and then also talking with parents that are like, oh, I can't wait for these kids to get back in school. They're driving me nuts. And, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And that's just not me. Um, I think also being sort of a halftime mom, right? I only get my son half the time. I cherish every second. And so summertime, I get more of his little existence, which is fantastic to me. But I also worry about sending him back every year to public school. And I've talked about it before on the show. This was something that really, I would say over the last few years, more so than in years past in his like early elementary years, I have wanted him to not be in public school. And that's just not something I don't think that his dad and I will ever kind of align on. And, and I have to be okay with that. We are such great co-parents and we see eye to eye on 99% of things. And I would say that I maybe, I've maybe gotten my way on more things than, um, you know, he would say would be his preference, but he's still, you know, it's agreeable and we work together, but I would really love to homeschool our son. And again, I just don't think that that is something that his dad is, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but maybe he you know, I, I think I know more so why he wants him in school versus maybe why he wouldn't want him in school, right? I think he does like the socialization and our son is very social. I think he w- would maybe be concerned about like a curriculum and how does he do that while working. I think he also is concerned about athletics. Our son is very athletic. He plays basketball. Although here in Arizona, you can homeschool your child and then they can play on any public schools team. So it's really not an issue, but again, it's just more hurdles. It's just extra maybe effort that, you know, maybe he feels like, eh, we've got an okay thing. He can just keep going to school. And I do have to give him that, right? We're we're very involved. We're involved in his schooling. We pay attention. We go to meet the teacher night. We look at his progress reports. So luckily, I feel like for both of us, we have got our son on a path, both with the values in our homes that we have instilled and then kind of in allowing our son to carry those into school and to certainly not be ashamed of his values and his morals that he has, but to also maybe even walk a little finer line. I would definitely say that I have encouraged him to 
speak up if he, you know, doesn't, it's, it doesn't necessarily, I, I guess questioning is what I would say as far as quote unquote authority or, you know, getting into a respectful discussion with a teacher. I'm an advocate of that because I think that if we don't have that, that's where just kind of manipulation and brainwashing comes in. And I always want want uh, my son to be, you know, that critical thinker and that question asker. And if that means asking somebody that's in an authoritarian or authoritative position, that's okay. It just has to be done in the right manner. So with every summer comes that joy that I get him for more minutes. We get basketball camps and we get vacations and all of those fun things. And then it's sort of culminates with that heaviness of, you know, ultimately I hand him over to someone else for continued molding and shaping and educating for a significant portion of his life. And I just that weighs on me. It weighs on me pretty heavy. And I've really started thinking about our public school system, how broken it is, how it, you know, coming out of the medical system, how I see so many parallels in their brokenness, uh, the only difference really is that doctors make a ton of money and they're entrenched in this sort of broken system and teachers make no money and they're also entrenched in this incredibly broken system. So a very, you know, that's maybe the biggest discrepancy, but both are just so broken. So in those kind of thoughts, I've started thinking about what really is our public school system? What's it compared to? How would our children really learn better? Are there alternatives? So I just want to talk about that. And I'll talk about that in the second half of the show, because if you are somebody that maybe feels, feels like me, where you want that for your child, but you're not sure where to go, what to do. Like I'll discuss some suggestions, you know, they, unfortunately, like I said, I, my son will ultimately more than likely be in the public school system until he graduates from high school. But that doesn't mean that I wouldn't encourage other parents to look at other options if they want to do that. I highly encourage other parents to do that. I wish that I could do that. And maybe I will, maybe, maybe I will someday. I don't think eighth grade year for my son is going to be the year, but, but you never know. But if I could, I would be doing something different. So I'm going to take a short little break. And when I come back, I'm just going to keep, keep chatting, keep chatting about the public school system, some concerns that I have that I see routinely with kind of my son and some of our, um, my, my friends, kids, some alternatives to that, but then ultimately what my goal as a mom who has a child in, in the public school system, what I feel like 
his role can kind of be in amongst that uh, system and in that environment. So I'm going to take a quick break. I am Nurse Beth. You are listening to Nurses Out Loud here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's time and this is World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Did you know that doctors and nurses have been swabbing their noses with povidone iodine to protect from airborne threats like colds, flus, and pandemic era strains for decades? Cofix RX took that idea and made a more complete nasal formula with lasting cleansing effects. Maybe you're traveling soon or going to an event. Are you concerned somebody nearby might be sick? Maybe the office or classroom stresses you out. Get yourself a bottle of Cofix RX nasal solution. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. It was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. first half of the show, I really just talked about summer, all things summer. How amazing is it? I love it. We've hit it here in Arizona. Maybe the rest of you across the, the country haven't hit it yet, but kids have been out of school for just about a week now. The summer heat has arrived. It's, it's just all things summer and I love it. And I was just kind of discussing about how I love all of those things and I love the extra minutes with my boy and all of the fun things that come along with him being out of school. But then as we sort of creep back towards, you know, the start of the school year, I just get this like weight on my shoulders at the thought of him going back to public school. And I've been thinking about that more and more and more, obviously, since COVID and just observing as an outsider of how absolutely disastrous everything was handled from that standpoint. And then also watching him be in school and 
just the this overarching sense that it is just getting worse and worse and worse. And also in the first half of the show, I just kind of talked about this idea of like one generation and how we're only really like one generation from maybe things being like completely unraveling. And I think that we're close. I see so many differences, not only in just like social life, but also in my schooling. So in middle school, I went to a sixth, seventh, and eighth grade middle school. I vividly remember having astronomical amounts of homework. And not, I mean, we're not talking about just like paperwork or worksheets, but studying, like actually sitting down and studying for a test, making flashcards or looking over a study guide. I remember having to read books and then, you know, as you're reading, you've got your, your paper packet next to you and you're looking for the answers to the questions on the paper packet that are in the next chapter and having to fill out these. I mean, I remember that vividly coming home from school and I played sports too. So, you know, whether it be get your homework done before you went to basketball practice or you stayed after school and did basketball practice, and then you came home and then you tackled your homework, you had dinner, you went to bed and you did it all over. And I do feel like I got a pretty good education. I also remember in middle school, we still had classes like, I guess what my parents would refer to as home ec, but we had a class called life skills. What? How amazing? Like, okay, life skills. Uh, yeah, sign me up for that class. I mean, we literally did like cooking and there was this one teacher that was like super outdoorsy and into camping and backpacking. And he taught like a, a big class on like, what would happen if you were trapped, you know, outside in the wilderness or sort of all of these like survival scenario type things. And I remember that those were things that stuck with me so much more than just kind of your regular classroom work. And I look at where my son is at now going into the eighth grade and his middle school experience is vastly different, almost a 180. He barely has homework. And I don't think that's just because he's lying to me and saying, no, mom, I don't have any homework, which, okay, I will, I will say that that's maybe some of the time. But what he always says is, my teachers give us time in class to do our homework. Um, uh, okay, well, then what are you learning in class would be my first question. That seems real weird to me. Are you, you ran out of like lesson plan, so then the kids just get to do the homework. I don't get it. I would say he has never had to thus far. And this is also what's concerning me for going into high school. He's, I mean, maybe on a couple of occasions, but certainly not to the number and the magnitude that I was doing it studying. Like he doesn't ever just come to me and is like, oh, mom, can you help me study for this test? Or, hey, I'm going to go in my room. I'm going to study. Like, I'll be honest and say, I don't know if he has like study habits. 
I remember having to have very, very strict study habits. And then even further, like once I got into nursing school, like, oh my goodness, talk about like whatever you had to do to, you know, hunker down and study that anatomy and physiology or, you know, uh, that pharmacology, whatever it was. Right. And I were like, I worry about that. I worry that he hasn't had enough of those experiences heading into high school that it's going to be like hard to just start developing those at, you know, 14 or 15 versus starting earlier. And I also, you know, I, I worry also again about just like fundamentals. Like I brought it up on a show um, a while ago, but like handwriting, I was still pen to paper. I was still pencil and paper when I was in middle school and even high school. And his handwriting is atrocious. That's actually what he should be doing this summer is like all of those like little handwriting books that you can order off of like Amazon or something. I should really sit him down at the kitchen table every morning and make him bust out like 20 minutes of handwriting. But they have them all using these little Chromebooks. Nothing is done with pen and paper anymore. So he doesn't even have like that sort of basic kind of just like skill, which is weird to me. And again, now I should be taking responsibility as a parent and I will fully take responsibility for not sitting him down at the kitchen table and saying, you need to write this out, you know, for 20 minutes. But I, again, I just think about like, what's, what's going on like in the classroom, what's happening in there. Why? Like if a kid turns in a piece of paper and the handwriting is terrible, like, is that not something that the teacher would be like, Hey, like you need some handwriting practice. Like call the parent and be like, uh, you should actually now order some of those practice books from Amazon. Cause I can't read what your kid's doing. I would think maybe that falls out of their scope. I don't know. So again, it's like one generation and we've gotten so I don't know. Do I, do I say like dumbed down? I don't want to say dumbed down because, well, I think my son is intelligent and I do think that he's learning. I guess maybe I'm concerned that again, what they're learning isn't actually the things that they need to be learning. And I, I could probably say that for my own, you know, middle school and high school experience as well. Right. The majority of it is just stuff that you're never going to use again. Mom, when am I ever going to use this? When, when am I ever going to see this out in the real world? There's a significant percentage of that that I experienced, but I feel like it's more. I definitely feel like it's more with my son. And another sort of change in the times that I have seen, and this again, I think is like my eyes being so wide open to this, what I believe is a very, very, very specific attack on our children and a 
large plan. I believe that this sort of kind of destruction of America has been going on for a really long time. It's just now that everything is kind of on the forefront. But I was talking to him the other day after I picked him up and I think, oh, oh, here's what it is. I'll tell you exactly what it was. There was a school shooting threat at his middle school. And you guys know my position on school shootings and the second amendment. And you can go back and listen to my show that I did about school shootings and gun control and yada, yada, yada. I believe in the second amendment. I believe in owning firearms. I think that unfortunately children that choose to do that have mental health issues, have home instability issues. There's a myriad of other problems happening in that little kiddo's life, independent of that gun. That being said, a lot of kids were being pulled out of school that day. And I very much trust my child. And he sent me a text and said, mom, the vibe at school is real weird. Do you think you could come and get me? Absolutely. No brainer. I'm there. So I go and pick him up from school and we're driving home. And I, it wasn't like a sudden realization, but it was like kind of the perfect opportunity to have this conversation with him and make a comparison that I think is a valid comparison. When I was growing up, our schools didn't have big fences like around them. Campuses were open, right? So there were no steel bars, you know, in my, in my viewpoint, keeping the children in others could say keeping people out, but I also look at it as keeping the kids in. We didn't have that middle school or high school. Um, we did have a campus police officer, which was great. I think that's a valuable asset, um, especially at a high school, you know, kids, hormones, fights, girlfriends, boyfriends, all the things, right. Um, our school buildings, I would say they were also different. I think schools are being physically built maybe differently. I mean, we still had like the, the cinder block, you know, um, walls and things like that. But I definitely feel like comparatively speaking, there were more windows maybe, especially in hallways, things of that nature. Anyways, I'm having this conversation with my son I was like, does it seem weird at all? Let me, let me just paint this picture for you, bud. I was like, what does your school sort of feel like? You have a bus that brings kids into the school. You have a fence around the school. And again, I told him, I was like, to either keep you in or to keep other people out. It doesn't matter. It's contained. You have you know, classrooms that are very structured, you have to sit in a certain position, you have to sit in a, a certain spot. You have the head of the class that's, you know, sort of dictating all of the things to you. You maybe have a campus officer um, who's armed and you get served food on a tray and you go into one large room with, you know, cafeteria tables and you eat. I was like, does that feel like any other thing or look familiar, any other sort of system? 
And my son looks at me and he goes, jail. I was like, you're exactly right. It's like a mini prison system. Honestly, that's now how I'm sort of looking at it, which is terrible because I'm willfully and voluntarily sending my child there. But the comparison is really uncanny. It's really uncanny. Buses, fences, armed guards, cafeteria trays, (laughs) assigned seating, limited movement, right? Like, we got to know where all these kids are, you know, in and out, shuffle them around. So we don't have home economics anymore. Kids can't write with pen and paper. They don't really learn like skills that are applicable, balancing a checkbook or, you know, finances, taxes, they don't really learn any of that. But in some sort of way, they're learning how to maybe be like a good prisoner. I don't know. Is that a stretch? Maybe. But the life that they're experiencing in public school right now is certainly, in my opinion, closer to that of someone in jail than it is to someone in the working world or doing life experiences on outside of the fence. And that happened in like one generation because it wasn't that way when I was in school. It really didn't feel like prison. I mean, sure, there were some days I didn't want to go. and I probably would call it prison or jail. It didn't feel that way. It didn't look that way. So some things that have sort of changed, and I think that this is amongst sort of parents kind of grasping this idea of like, ooh, this may not be the right fit for my child or our family. And I've loved it. Like I've loved to see how many parents are figuring it out because that's really all it is. Like there's no, there's no handbook. My mom used to always say that when we were little, like there's no handbook to raising a child, which is hysterical because me and my sister could not be any more different. I mean, the handbook was like, no, they needed one for each of us. But the parents now... It's so awesome to see who are just figuring out, figuring it out for their kids and for themselves and for their families. So if you're one of these parents that feels like, gosh, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to look into. Obviously, we all know about charter schools. That's great. Charter school is amazing. I still think that they are obviously really close to the public school and you know, that model. Right. But I think that they're hmm, maybe have the potential to be a little bit better, like academically, um, maybe 
I'm a huge fan of school uniforms, which my son doesn't go to a school where they, where they have uniforms, but I'm a huge fan of that. Um, I think it helps with socioeconomic issues. I think kids feel more confident and comfortable when they don't have to worry about, oh gosh, I don't have on the right, you know, expensive jeans or the, you know, the fancy this or that. Also, I think it's really interesting when we look at other countries that as Americans, we would sort of snub our noses at and be like, oh, that's maybe a third world or a less developed or not as affluent country as ours. And all the kids wear school uniforms, right? Like it's a, it's, I love it. I'm a huge fan. So I think you get a bonus of that at charter schools. Obviously there's private schools, which are great too. But the, the, the thing is, is that it's cost. Private schools are so expensive. Here in Arizona, the governor did sign into um, law or whatever, but you can get a $7,000 a year, um, I guess, gift it is from the government, like a school choice voucher or whatever, if you want to put your kid in private school, which is great. That's helpful. Which brings me, it's also this other parallel, this other comparison that I made, which I think is, again, some people might call it a stretch. I don't think it's a stretch, but looking at like private school to me is like organic food. Like, why do we have to pay more to not be poisoned? And like public school is like, you know, the cereal aisle. It's processed. It's so bad for you. It's full of red dye, number 42, and like all of this crap. I mean, it's kind of one and the same, right? Like you got to pay, pay for something better. And that's really sad. It's really sad that that's what is happening in our world. Yet I digress. Obviously, there's homeschooling. So homeschooling looks different for a lot of different, a lot of different people. I have friends that homeschool their kids. Um, you can order curriculums. There are preset curriculums that you can order. Some are faith-based curriculums. Some I know a friend is doing like a really, really um like constitutional focused curriculum, like it's fantastic. So if that is, you know, something that you're interested in, do your research because they are out there and they are out there by the dozens. There are also things called micro schools and there's kind of former formal micro schools. And then there's like informal micro schools. So it's like, a formal one would be something called Prenda, which is, again, look these up because they're phenomenal. But let's say, for example, me, myself, I decide that I want to be like a Prenda teacher. You go through and you basically open up your home so that other parents, you can be the teacher for, you know, however kind of many kids um, you can accommodate in that one little school. And Prenda is just sort of a big umbrella organization that helps facilitate and provides supplies and curriculums, things of that nature. So that's more of like a formal setup for that. And then I've seen parents doing something that's maybe less formal, which is just, I'm going to homeschool my kids. Are you interested in your kids being homeschooled? Yes. Oh, you guys work and you work. Okay, great that's okay. Bring your kids over. We're going to homeschool. 
um, we'll follow this curriculum. This is what we'll do. These are the hours. And we're running a little kind of mini school, but it's a homeschool. And I think that's phenomenal for a lot of different reasons. Obviously one, you know, I think it's great for kids to have examples to be around other kids whose parents are like-minded. I think that's fantastic for them. They don't feel so isolated, um, you know, maybe being the only one that's homeschooled or just all of those things. They get that social aspect that I think is good. It's also a sense of community and trust. And that's really where, you know, if we go back to that old saying of it takes a village, like that is the idea. That is the idea of the village, right? Like parents coming together being like, no, we want something different for our children. We want something better for our children. How can we as parents work together in a small little cohort to make sure that we can do this together for the benefit of our children? So I love those two options for like a homeschool or a micro school option. And then there is another concept that's been going around that they're, they've, you know, labeled, everything has to have a label, right? But it's called unschooling. And this is really awesome to me. This is less of a sort of schooling in a sense of like, okay, you still sit down at the kitchen table and you still do lesson planning and things like that. Unschooling is sort of this idea that it's literally just you learn based off of everyday life activities. So you're going to go in the kitchen and you're going to bake. Okay. You're going to learn math because you're doing fractions with your baking ingredients or you're learning time because you're setting the timer on the oven. Like it's the learning through the process of all of the things that you would normally be doing. You go to the park. Okay, great. Let's go to the park and let's talk about the different trees, the different leaves, the animals that we see. Like everything is a learning experience. And I think we're so good at that when our kids are really little because everything is fresh and so new. And it's the first time, you know, like the first time you go to the zoo, it's like, oh my gosh, you read every little placard about every animal because you're just sort of soaking it in. And then I think once they get into school, we sort of lose some of that because, well, I know I did. I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of making, uh, of assuming that the teachers are going to step in and sort of carry that same, you know, enthusiasm and, you know, act like everything is, is new the first time, right. And have that excitement and, and have the kids want to learn kind of all of those, all of those things. I'm, I'm guilty of that. And I'm, that's not to say that there aren't still teachers like that, but I just don't think it carries the same once they're in school as before they go to school, if that makes sense. So a lot of different options, a lot of different options. If we want to sort of rethink what schooling looks like for our kids, specifically in this sort of tumultuous time where we're not sure what the conversations are in the classroom, where we're not sure if they are getting the actual real education, like the core concepts that you should be learning in order to go on to high school and be successful. And then college if college suits you or go to a trade school or go straight into the workforce, like whatever that process looks like for them. Are they getting what they need to kind of be well-rounded and 
know, educated little humans, I guess. And ultimately, here is what I have sort of decided for myself and my son, being that, as I said, I don't think he's going to be out of the public school system, unfortunately. We're, we're, we're in it, and it'll probably ride out through his senior year of high school. But I thought to myself, as wild as his generation is, and as much as he's going to see in his little life and this, uh, you know, the last three years that he has endured and his mom being who she is and this wild voice and this, you know, truth seeker and this, you know, on fire for the Lord and this little firecracker of a human, I need to sort of make sure that that gets and continues to be infused into him. So I thought about, you know, there's always this worry about the external pressures, you know, influencing our children. And I have come to the conclusion that I think it's my job as, as a parent to make sure that my child goes into a system that I am not a fan of, that I know is pretty broken, that's rough around the edges, and that he maybe carries into that atmosphere some spark, some energy that will potentially be a catalyst for change. I think he has that capability. He's sort of a natural born leader. He's very confident. He does not have a problem engaging in conversation with the adults at the school, the teachers, and I thought, what if, you know, instead of sort of feeling this like fear or this, I don't know, weight that, you know, this system that I don't really align with is going to get to him. I think maybe conversely, he will get to the system. I think he has it in him to challenge and to maybe just sort of make his own path through that process, wearing his own armor that I know he wears and to, to just sort of maybe stand out in the way that he was meant to stand out. And so I guess that would maybe be a word of encouragement to any other parents out there that sort of feel like me that, you know, this isn't the, the best or the, the ideal place that you would want your kid. Maybe you're not a fan of the public school system, but you see something in your kiddo that is like, mm, I think they could sort of be a trailblazer here. I think maybe they could be somebody that stands out in such a positive way that they make some changes, that they are the ones to maybe even from a friendship level, like encourage their friends not to do dumb stuff, not to be vaping, not to be smoking, not to be doing drugs, not to be engaging in, in sexual activity, you know, all of those little things. And maybe even they have enough strength and enough courage and enough pushback to kind of challenge some of those teachers a little bit and have some hard conversations, which I'm a huge fan of. 
So I don't know, just some food for thought. But nonetheless, it is summertime. We're going to get through it. He's going to go on to eighth grade. It'll be amazing. But I would encourage all of us who have kids in this kind of adolescent time, in these teenage years, they're formative years. They're so impressionable. They've got a lot of stuff happening in their wild, wild worlds. But I think that parents that get it have this really, really powerful ability to raise children that also get it. And that could potentially kind of steer the ship in a different direction. You know, this one generation apart from things unraveling, we could raise a generation that has the ability to put it all back together. With that being said, that is all the time that we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses as we walk you through all of these hot topics. We will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Beth, and you can find me here every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Join us weekdays with a different nurse host daily where no topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time